in the book of 1 John chapter 5, last chapter, starting at verse 7. And um, how many love the Word of God tonight? Praise God. All right. Remember, this letter was, was one of the last pieces of Scripture that was written. John was up there in age. He was the last apostle, or the last person that had been with Jesus. Um, to die, he died of natural causes. He wasn't um, he wasn't martyred. And um, remember the the scope of this letter is that we may have fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and with each other. Amen. All right. He 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 said, "I want you guys to have the same fellowship that I had with Jesus." And that's possible. Amen. He wouldn't have said it if it wasn't possible. So um, we got to, um, let's start off in verse 7. It says, Now for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And then verse 8 says, And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. And if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. Alright, so we have the record here. We have the witnesses. We have the witnesses in heaven. We have the Trinity there in verse 7 and verse 8. Um, on the earth it says, And these three bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. You know, remember what Jesus said? He said, I must go away so that the comfort of the Holy Spirit could come. We also, it says, the water. Now, we have our, the, the Bible, Scripture is often um, compared to the water. Um, when the high priest in the Old Testament, when they would go to the laver, they would wash, wouldn't they? They would wash. Um, let's go to that verse there that it says, go over to me where it says, um, let me find that. I'm looking for that verse that talks about where Jesus said, you don't, your whole body doesn't need to be washed, only your feet. You guys remember that scripture? Um, is that John 14, Pastor? All right, let's go over there real quick. Um, let's see. He said, you'd already been washed. Uh, but bum 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 John 13, 10. There it is. Good call. All right, so remember he says, um, start at verse 9. Say amen when you're there. It's John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, at verse 9. John 13, verse 9 says, Now Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, you are not all clean. So after he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, and he said unto them, um, know you not what I have done to you? Have I gotten, have I not gone far enough back to get to, let me see, let me see, Is it verse 11 that says that? 
No, it says you were washed by the word. Where's it say that at? I thought it was there, man. I thought I thought uh, I thought that's where it was at. I could be wrong there, but anywhere there's another place where he says you are washed by the word. Okay, and so the word. Sorry about that. It took us took a took a rabbit trail there. I'm often guilty of that. But there are other that there are other comparisons in Scripture that the Bible that the word is compared to washing. Okay. Or compared to water, all right? Um, And so we have the spirit, we have the water of the word, and we have the blood, okay, that bear record. The witness of these three are powerful tools in the Christian walk, okay? Because what did it say? He says they've overcome them by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, Amen. The blood is a powerful thing. The blood is a powerful agent of witness in the earth that we have as Christians. And what is that? Well, the blood, nothing can cross the bloodline. No. Okay? The enemy cannot cross the bloodline. We're going to see that here in a minute later on in the chapter. You know, your sin cannot outrun the bloodline. The bloodline forgives all sin. All right? We're going to see a sin that can't be forgiven, but it's not what you think it is. Okay. Now, so these three, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and the blood. Now, I told my wife the other day, I said, if I can get three things into my children's head before I leave this earth or before they leave home or whatever, if I can get them to speak in tongues, read their Bible, and know how to repent of sin and apply the blood of Jesus Christ to their life, Amen. I'll feel like I've done my job. If a, if a believer can speak in tongues, can read their Bible, and can learn how to repent, that we learned in this Bible where it says, he that confesses his sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. Because a lot of people, when they sin, they just, get, they just get so feeling so guilty that they never come back. You know, and, and it's a good practice to be able to apply the blood to your sin. Because we're all going to sin. You know, now we made a stipulation. Remember, there was those that sin and there's those that practice sin. There's a difference, okay? And we saw that um, a few weeks back. So, so those are the three that bear record. All right, now I like what he says here and back into our epistle if you guys are there. Um, And this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his son, verse 11. All right. Now we saw that in verse 10, or um, in verse 9, he says, Now if we receive the witness of men, which we do, huh? When we go, how many does it take? How many eyewitnesses does it take in, a, in the land's court to call somebody guilty? Two. Two witnesses, right? Two witnesses. In man's court, man receives two witnesses to confirm a thing. Now, we saw last week, how many times did Father God confirm that Jesus was his son? You guys remember that? One at the baptism, right? At the baptism, he said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased, right? It says they heard a voice from heaven. 
All right? We need to go there. You guys remember? You want to go there? You, you believe me? Okay. You believe me. All right? The second one was at the Mount of Transfiguration. All right? And who was with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elias showed up, but who did he take up the mountain with him? Peter, James, and John. He took three people with him. In the mouth of two or three, a thing shall be established, the Bible says. He took three people with him. When they were up there, Moses and Elijah appeared to them. They wanted to make an altar to all three of them. In other words, they wanted to worship all three. All right? All of a sudden, they heard the voice from heaven. They said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And when they came back to their senses, only Jesus was standing in front of them. Praise the Lord. In other words, saying, this is, this is my son. Moses and Elijah, thank you. They did what I asked them to do. But this is my son. Jesus has superiority over Moses and Elijah. Okay? Jesus has superiority. So, two times there, God audibly said, this is my son. At the baptism, John bear witness, didn't he? John bear witness of that that he heard. All right, there were others with him. They say Andrew was with him at the baptism. All right, because remember, John told Andrew, follow him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. All right, and at that time, Andrew no longer became John's disciple. He went after and followed Christ. Mm-hmm. All right. So you got John bearing record that he was. Now this God already bore record, and these guys heard God say it, and we can have that record because they heard it and they wrote it down, and then someone else wrote it down, and one day you got it. Okay. So that's the testimony. We have that record. Now, what John is saying here is, look, this is how it works in law. This is how the society works. If something's established between two people, if you receive man's witness that this thing is true, wouldn't God's witness that this thing's true even be more believable? Even God, wouldn't God's witness be more superior? So he's calling them out because they're trying to say that Jesus isn't God's son. And he's saying he is God's son. As a matter of fact, he's so much God's son, God said it twice. And if you guys believe somebody, if two witnesses say a guy stole a loaf of bread and you put him in jail based on two witnesses, I don't know what your problem is. Okay? So that's what he's saying here. Now, in verse 10 he says, He that believes on the Son of God has that witness in him himself. Now, you guys know, when you believed, when someone told you that Jesus is the Son of God, He died for your sins, and He rose from the dead, when you believed it, didn't you? And when we believed it, the Spirit of Christ, it came into us, and I've never had to really wrestle with this anymore. Has anybody, like, once they believed in Jesus Christ, have you found yourself struggling to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Why have you not struggled with that? Because it says right there in verse 10. You have the witness within yourself. You don't need some man to try to come and convince you. You don't even need me up here to tell you about it. We're just up here because Bible study is good for the soul. We're reminding each other. Amen. But you have the spirit of Christ that dwelleth in you. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. 
And your own inner man bears witness that he's the son of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, so. So he that believeth not. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar. Because he believes not the record that God gave his son. So who's the liar? The ones that don't believe. The ones that don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. Okay? And that's what this whole book has been about. We've been on this thing about Jesus as the son of God for, for, for a good long, about good ten weeks now. All right? And the reason why that is so important, guys, in these last days, because it's this coexistent movement that is coming down the pipeline, they want to put Jesus at the same level as other every religious teacher. There are a lot of people out there that believe Gandhi and Jesus were equal. Gandhi. Gandhi. Gandhi, Jesus, Hira Krishna, Joseph Smith, Muhammad. Buddha, Confucius, all these guys, just good religious teachers. Pretty soon they're probably going to lump John Lennon in there before all I know. Okay, you know what I'm saying? As, as, as time marches on for the coming of the Lord, more and more people are going to turn away from this message that John is saying here. And hey, this is nothing new. They're doing it within the first hundred years of Christianity. Where were they first called Christians? Antioch. All right? They are first called Christians at Antioch. Paul and the rest of the guys have been fighting this fight yep. that Jesus is the Son of God since their day. This is nothing new, but it's up to us as the church to keep up the fight. Amen? Amen. We got to keep up the fight and we can't fall and bend and, and cow down. So, they're the liar. It says, God has made them the liar because God has already said, This is my beloved Son. Because he believes not the record that God gave of his son. I don't know why people have a hard time believing that he's, that's God's son. But there you go. Verse 11. And this is the record that God had given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son has life. And he that has not the son of God has not life. Okay. This is the record. You know, a lot of people, and, and myself included, we like to take, at, sometimes you, you ever have call, people come, they come to the altar because they want some fire insurance, amen? You know what fire insurance is? Anybody know what fire insurance is? They come to the altar for fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell. They don't want to burn in fire, so they come and they, and they, and they say a prayer thinking that it will keep them from, from, from hell, Okay? But that's not why Jesus died. Jesus didn't die to keep us from hell. Jesus died to give us eternal life. Amen. He died that we may have life eternal. And you know what? Life eternal is not a, a magical thing or a place or a feeling. It's a person. Amen. It says it right there. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. So a lot of people are thinking that they can have eternal life, that they can have some special nirvana if they they go out and they do this or they do this, that they can obtain some certain level of, I'm 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 in the stratosphere. I'm in the nirvana. I'm in the, you know, the place of serenity. 
Okay, people are looking for peace and serenity. But peace and serenity, eternal life, is in the Son. It's a person. It's always been about a person. The minute that Adam fell in the garden, what was God missing? That intimacy. That relationship between Him and His creation. So eternal life is not so much a place. But it's a relationship. Praise Amen. God. I feel the glory on that. I have to say that again. Eternal life is not so much a place, but it's a relationship. Where we have the Son, and the Son has us. Amen? It's called Hakad. Praise God. It's called what? One means Hakad in the Hebrew. Hakad? Hakad. I love it. And family is Mishpachad. That's right. All right. So, verse 13 then. Uh, look at this. Sounds kind of like uh, John three sixteen, verse twelve says, "He that hath not the Son, hath, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God has not life." Okay. So a lot of people like to say, "I'm living, brother. I'm just living." Do you have Do you have the Son? No. Well, you ain't living. No, they're living it up. Now they're living it up. Verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Every, raise your hand if you believe on the name of the Son of God. Amen. Are these things written to you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. That you may know that you have eternal life. Hallelujah. And Ooh. that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now John, I love him. He's a great writer. He always tells you why he's writing. He never leaves us hanging. He's very, he's very clear on why... He wrote these things. Um, I like one of my favorite verses in Scripture is in John chapter 20. Keep your finger there and flip over to John 20 with me for a minute. I'm sure, I really hope I pull the right verse out here. <laughs> Sorry about that last one. I know this is it though here. Um, John 20. Um, And it is the last couple of verses of chapter 20. Looking at verse 30. So say amen if you're there. John 20, 30 says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Amen. Now there were John only John only he only recorded seven miracles that Jesus did. He only recorded seven lectures and um, or seven discourses. You know, John could have written all kinds of stuff. As a matter of fact, there's another place where it says, "Had they been written, the books of the world could not contain all the things that Jesus did." And why is that? Okay, say you write down every miracle that Jesus did. And it says the world could not contain the books. There are places in the gospel where it says when Jesus went, he healed all manner of sickness and disease. I mean, all means what? All. All. That means you go into a crowd of a thousand people. And a thousand people, they're all healed. Okay? 
So if you, every time Jesus went somewhere and he healed all manners of sickness and disease, if you made an account of every single solitary miracle that happened, it, just, it would just flood the earth, okay? But John said, look, we only need a few. I mean, it's great. We can have them all, but that's not really what it's about. It's, not, it's just about having the record that's written. And what did he say there? He said, they were written that you might believe. All right. They were written, they might believe. So according to God, we only need a couple. We only need two. We only need two. He gave us a little bit more. Seven's a good number. It's a number of completion. You know, the number of, of, of heaven is three. The number of earth is four. Or, you know, you got di- di- uh, divinity and, and natural or spiritual and natural. There are a lot of things in three. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Four, there's four elements, fire, earth, water, whatever the other one was. You got four points of a compass. So, you know, and you put four and three together. It's a number of completion where, where things of supernatural, meet natural, spirit, natural, that kind of thing. So it's kind of a cool number if you're into that numerology kind of stuff. I like to dabble in it. So, so we only need a couple of things here, but that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, okay? So... If somebody says, why do, why do we have the Bible? Why do we have the Gospels? Well, that's a great verse to show them right there. Just simply so you might believe. All right? Now, in verse 14, he says, now this, back over the 1 John 5, 14. 5, 14. <clears throat> he says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. And whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Now that is a great privilege of the Christian. That is a blessing. To know that God, first of all, that God hears us. All right. I love what Isaiah says when he's chastising the people of Israel. He said, you're bowing down to things that have no ears. They have no mouths. They can't hear. They can't speak. They can't move. And you're calling them gods. You know, our God has ears. He has a mouth. He has eyes. He can hear. He can speak. He can see. His arm is not short that it can't reach and help. All right? These are qualities of our God. Now, is he body? No, he's not body. The Bible says that God is a spirit. Amen. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But God came in the likeness of a body through his son Jesus Christ. Okay? So that just got to show, goes to show me that our seeing and our hearing and our feeling, it's not limited to this physical body. All right? We talked about this the other week. When, the, when Lazarus... Um, was it, I always get confused. Was it Lazarus that was in the other side or was it the, uh, the poor man with sores? That, was Lazarus the leper or was it the other guy around? The no, story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a leper. Lazarus was the one that said, oh, I've got to tell, go tell my brothers about this place, right? No, that was the rich man. Rich man. Okay, got it. I always get them too confused. Thank you. The rich man, the story of Lazarus and the rich man, right? The rich man was in, 
the, the burning place and Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. Okay? Thank you. From a gulf of fire, right? There was a gulf there. Now think about this now. The rich man, he was dead, so he wasn't in his body. But he felt pain. He saw. He was thirsty. He could hear. He had all of his senses, but yet he was still separated from his body. Where was that at? The story of Lazarus and the rich man? Abraham's bosom? I'll tell you here in just a second. Hold on. It's Luke, isn't it? Uh, bosom. Let's see here. Bosom. Bosom. Uh, Luke 16.23. You nailed it, Pastor. You're on it today. You're helping me. That, yeah, there it is. Lazarus was in his bosom. All right? So, so the point being there is, is that we can see, we have our senses outside of this body, okay? And here's the thing, because we are three parts, aren't we? Remember what we said? We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. Amen. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in the body. That's why I like what Pastor said. You know, church without you guys is not really church to me. That's right. What did Jesus say? Where there two or three are gathered in my midst, there. Where two or three are gathered there, there I will be in the midst of them. Why? Because our spirits are coming together. This body is what carries our spirit from place to place. Okay? Now, the, you can say all you want. This is just, I'll just say this as an opinion. All right? Go ahead, Jeremy. Man, you can have electronic television, and I know there's a lot of people that do it, and I'm not condemning them, but it ain't good enough for me. You know why it's not good enough? Because I need to be physically in the same room with you guys. I, I too. To feel the Holy Ghost, to feel the presence of Jesus. Yes. Like I said, today during worship, that's the best I've felt in three days. Right. All this pressure and stuff, all this terrible. I can't get that at home, guys. I can put on Darlene check for six hours. I'll have a, I'll have a good time. I can read my Bible, but I don't feel like I feel when I get together with the saints. It's just not the same. Okay? And you can't put it through a stream. You can't put it through. We don't like to do it, and we don't even, we mess it up if we try to do it, Pastor and I. We're no good at that kind of stuff, man. We're no good. It's a supplement. Amen? I can't live on Fred Flintstone vitamins. I can take them as a supplement, but I can't eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I can't, I can't receive what God has paid such a high price for all the time through the screen. Praise God. All right, I don't want to get off topic here, man. I've only got a few more minutes to get through this book. All right, here we go. So, all right now, looky here, looky here. He says in, uh, we are at uh, verse... 16. Now, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and it shall, he, sh he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. All right, so what is John talking about here? 
Well, we got two types of sin that he's saying. We've got a sin that leads not unto death, and we've got a sin that leads unto death. So the best way to understand this passage, really, is to discover what is the sin that leads unto death, all right? So if you go to um, the sin that leads unto death, go with me over to Matthew 12, 31 real fast. Matthew 12, 31. You guys there? Amen. All right. Matthew 12, 31. Now, Jesus is talking here. And um, in verse 31, it says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. What's it say? All manner of what? Sin. All manner of sin. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Okay? What is that? The blasphemy of the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. All right? So all other man of sin, matter of sin will be forgiven. I mean, there's some gross stuff going on out there, right? We know that. Yes, amen. But the Bible says all unrighteousness is sin. But all manner of sin shall be forgiven. You've got to remember that. But the one thing that cannot be forgiven is blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Brother Jeff said, what is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? Okay, write another note in your Bible. John 16, 9. And we'll start off at verse 7. You guys there? So we're going to be in the back in the Gospel of John, John 16. 16. Yep, and we'll start at verse 7. John 16, 7. All right? Now it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. John 16, 7. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come... He will reprove the world of what? Sin. Sin. And of righteousness and judgment. Look at verse 9. This is the kicker. Of sin because they what? Believe not on me. So blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is those that do not believe the witness of the Holy Spirit testifying of the Son. Because if Jesus came to forgive sin, all manner of sin, it says, but then you don't believe in the one who forgives all manner of sin, how can you be forgiven? So the one sin that sets everybody apart from the sin that leads unto death is the sin that believes not on the Son, as John 16, 9 says here. All right? So that is what 1 John Five is talking about. Is everybody clear on that? People always want to argue about what's the unforgivable sin. Is suicide the unforgivable sin? They're like, well, if you, if you commit suicide, how can you ask for forgiveness for committing suicide? This is very clear what the unforgivable sin is. 
Okay? The unforgivable sin is to resist the Holy Ghost testimony and believe not on the Son. Okay? All right, that is it. Now, back over to the gospel, to the, uh, to the epistle here. He says, now, there is a sin. He says, and look what he says here. He says, if a brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. But there is a sin unto death, and I do not say that he shall pray for. What does he mean by that? Why is John telling us to not pray for somebody that does not believe in the Son? Because it's very simple. If they don't believe in the Son, what's the point? What can we actually do for them? Okay? You can't make somebody believe. God will not interfere with man's will. The Lord, like I heard one guy say, the Lord will not... He will not, um, I can't even remember how that goes. But anyway, like for instance, he won't make you go somewhere. But he'll make you want to go somewhere. (laughs) Is that, you see the point? Okay. He will not come and physically, I can't come and physically take you out of this room and put you in the hallway. Okay, but me and Pastor can turn this air conditioning up till it gets about 43 <laughs> degrees in here. And you'll be so cold you'll want to go out of here. All right? There are often times in my life where, you know, he didn't make me do something, but he allowed circumstances to come into my life that said, okay, like here's a great example. Look at Jonah. Did God interfere with Jonah's will to go to Nineveh? No. No. But the circumstances that happened to Jonah change Jonah's mind to make him go. Suddenly. All right? There was just things that happened to Jonah, and he's like, all right, I'm going, God. I'm going. And that's what happened to me when I came to salvation. There were just things that happened to me, and I just like, I, I give in, Lord. Uncle, 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 uncle. You know? So, and that's, so what he means there is, is that if you see somebody... You know, I mean, we pray, oh, Lord, save brother so-and-so, save him. But, you know, really the only thing that can save him is them believing. So what a real accurate prayer, and I like accurate prayers. A real accurate prayer would be, Lord, remove the relationships that are keeping them from believing. Lord, change the circumstances. Lord, Make the atmosphere and the circumstances around him change. The things that you have control of, God. Because he doesn't have control over our will. But he does have control over things that affect our will. Amen? So that's what he's talking about here. Does that make sense? Okay, so then he goes on to say, um, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. In other words, there's a sin. You know, sin is unrighteous. Unrighteousness is sin, but you know if if I go out to to big lots and steal a pack of Wrigley's, I'm not all of a sudden going to fall over dead. Okay, but you know I can be forgiven for that pack of gum that you stole. You know what I mean? Thieves, steal, thieves, and, and and murderers, adulterers. You know all these type of people, all these things that we think are so bad, they can and will be forgiven. All right. Very necessary to believe that. 
My grandmother had a hard time with people that committed certain crimes that there was no way they deserved heaven. No way. None of us deserve heaven. That's right. So anyway, here we go. Now, now we know, verse 18 now, we know, almost done here, we know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. Now remember, there's that word again there. When, it's, when you see that, that sinneth not, we know that whoever is born of God practices not sin. Okay, that's not saying that if you get born again, you won't sin. That's right. I've done it often. But it's not a habitual lifestyle that I practice. Okay? I don't continually live in it. Change. I recognize that was wrong, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus. You move on, okay? Now look at this. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself... And that wicked one touches him not. All right. Now, the way this is, you need to read this is, we, we know whosoever is born of God. Now, we've got born of God and we've got begotten of God. So who is the begotten of God? Jesus. So the subject matter there is, we know that whosoever is born of God, that's me and you, sinneth not. And he that is begotten of God, Jesus, keeps himself. No, he keeps the himself there is the person of record in the first part of the verse. So we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Me, but he that is begotten of God, Jesus, keeps me, and that wicked one touches him not. All right? So the himself there is the believer. So the begotten of God keeps me, the believer, and that wicked one cannot touch me, is the word there. Touches him not. All right? And if you want a reference for that, because people... Sometimes get a little freaked out about this. That they think that the devil's got a lot of power over the believer. But I can tell you right now, I'm here to tell you today. You know, the, the, they sent, people resisted the prayers of Daniel. But it, the message got through, amen? amen? The Pony Express got through. There will be resistance, but there will not be defeat, amen? Praise the Lord. Now... The reference there for that uh, the wicked one touches him not. I want to go over to, um, to back to uh, John real fast. It'll be the last time we turn. Um, and it's going to be, uh, let's see. It is um, John 10, 28. John 10, 28. Now remember, to the subject here is, is that wicked one touches him not, all right? So the wicked one cannot touch us. John 10, 28. The wicked one cannot touch the believer. Because look what it says here. Say amen if you're there. Start with verse 25. I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Key verse there. Hmm. Guys, we just have to understand that there are just some people that are not of his sheep in this world. 
For God so loved the whole world that he died. He died for the whole world. But I'm telling you, the whole world is not going to come to Jesus. That's just the reality, okay? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any what man pluck them out of my hand. Why can't they pluck him out of Jesus' hand? Verse 29. My Father which gave them me is greater than what? All. All. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So what he's saying is, if you're in my hand, you're in Father God's hand. Praise God. And Father God is stronger than everybody, isn't he? He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere at the same time. He can get there faster than the FedEx man can. If the, if the enemy's got a plan and he's on his way, God's already there. Woo! He's already there. He's already there to stop him. You know, he can be anywhere. He's everywhere. Not that he can be anywhere. He's not. He's everything. He's all-consuming. Now, so because... We're in Jesus' hand. And he says, the Father, imagine this now. We're in Jesus' hand, but how did we get there? He said, the Father put us in Jesus' hand. So the Father put us in Jesus' hand. If the Father put us in Jesus' hand, then where does that put me at? Look where that puts me at. In underneath the shadow of the Almighty. I'm surrounded. We're in the palm of his hand. We're, we're, we're covered. Who can get... Who can get in there? Nothing. Nothing can get in there, man. Nothing can get in there. Right. Nothing can... You know, the devil can't come in and say, oh, I'm going to just kind of try to pluck him right out of there. Huh, man? No. You can't... Once, once you belong to the Lord and you're His, nothing can pluck you out of His hands, it says. I like that because He says right there, My Father which gave them me, He is greater than all. Praise God. Amen? He's greater than all. So that's why, now back over into verse, back to our epistle now. That's why He can say, the wicked one cannot touch them. Okay? Because if I'm between the hands of the Father and the hands of the Son, then nothing can get to me, praise God. And you know, with all this scare about all the stuff that's going on, all right, you know, there I am right there. Amen. Right there, man. Ain't nothing, nothing can, nothing can pluck you out. Nothing. Amen. Nothing can pluck you out. All right, so, so that's why in verse 18 says, and that wicked one touches him not. He can't get in there, all right? He can't get in there. Now, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness, all right? Now, the word wickedness there is more of a belief system than it is an actual act of sin or, a, or a, a deed, an evil deed. Jesus said, you don't come to me because your deeds are evil, all right? But there is a wickedness, and the wickedness comes from, you know, to, to what, when you think of a wicker chair, what do you think of? A wicker is something to be twisted, all right? It's twisted. Okay, so wickedness is a twisting of the truth. The twisting of the truth. 
Wickedness is twisting the truth. And we see that in the earth today. They're twisting the truth of God's word to benefit their own lust. conveniences, their own lust, good word. All right, And they're denying some of the things that has already been given. God has already given us an accurate record and they're denying them. Okay, <clears throat> Now verse 20. Now we know that the Son of God is come. And has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his son Jesus Christ. And this is the true God and eternal life. Great statement about Jesus being God right there. Did you catch that? Great statement. Even in his son Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the subject matter, this is the true God and eternal life. So who's the true God? Jesus Christ. And he's eternal life. Verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's how it ends right there. In other words, if we know everything that we just read in those last few verses, why should 21 even be an issue? Why would I go bow down to statues and images be, you know, taken up with anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. Praise God. So that concludes that letter. Praise God. We got through it and I'm only two minutes over, Pastor. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming out today. It's been a great time. Hallelujah. Praise God.